Yeah. Um, all right. Back to you, Jeremy. Yeah. And I can just say a couple of things on that. Uh, one, I like phrase street level. Mm-hmm. The, just keep in mind, these documents are not intended to be a dissertation on OCD. Right. Yeah. Uh, we are trying to make it street level so that if you're a pastor or a lay counselor or even a licensed counselor that doesn't have a lot of experience with this, uh, that you can just take a glance at these handouts and get a basic idea of some of the components that are going on biblically for a person that's struggling. And then that whole ministry piece, I just can't emphasize enough how many people with OCD struggle in isolation. And then when they are, you know, a lot of times the OCD manifests mostly when they're in the confines of their home. Yeah. Mm. But when they go to church, it's not there. And so they can, or they can go to someone else's house and be just fine. But when they come back to their house, it's got to be a completely sterile environment. Mm. Uh, so that kind of thinking. So they're, so they're, they're functioning out, out here, but at home it's, it's uh, a prison. And so this idea of community and and creating space for people to be able to talk about these things and then to hear, to, to receive patience, guidance, love, yeah. compassion, it, that is so big uh, yeah. with, with individuals that I've worked with at least. Another, another aspect, so fear is, is one of the things we talked about. The other one is deception. We have to recognize if we're going to conceptualize human nature from a biblical perspective, uh, we have to a- accept the idea that there is still part of the human heart that can be deceived. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and that deception can come in the form of how we're thinking, what we're believing, and what we're wanting. And so obsessions are products of a deceptive heart, Jeremiah 17, 9, and are not rooted in actual objective reality. And so people, you know, that uh, are consumed with being contaminated by germs, there's really no obs- objective data that they can point us to that that's a big problem. And but they're so, just convinced of it. Yes. Yeah, that's the hard part. And so you have to get them, you know, one of the conversations you want to bring into uh, counseling someone with this is this idea of, of, is it possible that the heart is deceptive? And then maybe you do some study throughout the scriptures and show some passages and, uh, and examples that say, hey, if we're going to take divine wisdom and bring it to bear on this really tough struggle, uh, we have to assimilate into our thinking that our hearts can lie to us. That maybe the thought that I've had this uh, terrible thought and maybe it's the unpardonable sin, well, does the Bible speak to that? Is, Is it possible that that's not true? Is it possible that that is a false statement that's just going on in your mind? One example would be something like this. You know, I have known people who their intrusive thought is I'm going to abuse children and they might have images of abusing children or they may be sitting at the same table with a child in the family and look at that child and have images of throwing that kid to the ground and harming that child. And so the anxiety begins to, um, I mean, that creates profound anxiety because now they think they are a child abuser or a child molester. I mean, it can go to those extremes. Mm-hmm. And now they're in their own head thinking, oh my gosh, am I a child abuser? Am I a child molester? Because I had this thought. In reality, their response physically is telling them that's not the case. And here's why I say that. So you 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 want people to get in touch with the physiological response when they have some of these deceptive ideas or deceptive thoughts. And so you might ask them, well, when you have that thought, do you have an impulse to go over there and enjoy doing that to that person? Are you planning and scheming ways that you're going to groom this individual into your world so you can uh, abuse? Or are you appalled? Does it create anxiety? Does it create disgust? It always creates disgust. When it's OCD, it creates 
fear. It creates mm-hmm. anxiety. It creates mm-hmm. disgust. Mm-hmm. And so you begin to have them put this in categories. If, if, if your physiological response is anxiety and fear, when you have that thought, we're going to put that in the OCD category and we're going to put that in the category of deception. Uh, if you're actually planning and scheming and maybe even have a history of doing that kind of thing, that's a whole different Mm-hmm. That's a whole different ball of wax. But for the OCD person, they're not they're not going to be drawn to that. They're not going to have an impulse to go do that. They're actually terrified that that thought even went through their mind. That's really good clarification. Let me ask you this. Does those thoughts in some cases have an original origin? Like was it originated in a particular time in their life and certain things progress? Or is it just it kind of like that out of nowhere type of thing? You know, because you use the word rooted here. Yeah. Um, I was just curious, it, like, no, it, can, it, can, it, can it come from experience or something happening or? You know, the, the form of the obsession, not necessarily. Okay. It can. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I've had men who are, um, you know, they have a porn addiction. And so that porn addiction is shaping the sinful deceptive you know, the sinful thinking that's going on in their mind Mm -hmm. that they're now they're a rapist Mm -hmm. or something like, so that can happen, but not necessarily. And probably not predominantly because here's how OC, here's how the whole OCD thing works. Mm -hmm. Very often you, a person can resolve that they're no longer uh, a child abuser, but now they're uh, struggling with the obsession uh, that maybe they've committed the unpardonable sin. So often it, these it can obs- tra- the thoughts can go back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so the goal isn't even you eliminate one, all new ones created. Whack-a-mole, huh? That's very, uh, yes. Gotcha. That is very, very, mm. very uh, common. And so uh, we don't want to feed into that by saying we've resolved OCD because this is better over here. Mm. We've got to teach them to identify deception. Uh, you know, uh, also, we want them to to be able to not freak out that they have an, a feeling of anxiety uh, because that's what drives the compulsion is I've got to get rid of this emotional experience. So something that I tell people often that I've read somewhere is that when we're struggling with things like this, and this could be depression, this could be anxiety, this could be OCD, this could be a lot of different things. But for OCD specifically, I'll often tell people what you're doing to deal with your anxiety in the short term, it brings relief mm-hmm. for an hour. You feel better. But long term, it's creating habits of destruction. Mm. So you don't leave your house or you're washing your hands for hours or whatever it might be. And so we one of the one of the ways you, we have to come to these individuals is to help them develop patterns to address their anxiety. That's not about getting rid of the anxiety. Ultimately, yeah, it's very much a biblical counseling approach. It's not ultimately about your anxiety being gone. Because uh, you're going to have to learn to live with some noise in your mind and you're going to have and deal with that. And you're going to have to learn how to navigate anxiety without running to something to fix it. Yeah. Because that that's what just perpetuates this this struggle. That's really good. I like that clarification. Another uh, way that we might come to this from a biblical perspective. And again, this is with great compassion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm about to say is not a judgmental statement. It's not a condemning statement. As a matter of fact, I am, I am guilty of this every single day of my life. And, but so we, but it, we want to bring it in just cause it's a, a touchy subject. We don't yeah. want to, we don't want to stay away from what I'm about to say. Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder creates 
and is driven by a lot of self-focus, okay? And so since obsessions create significant distress and anxiety, they will often contribute to an excessive and extreme form of self-focus wherein the vast amount of a person's cognitive activity and life is centered on his or her subjective reality. And so in many ways, the person struggling with OCD is kind of living in their own constructed kingdom. Mm -hmm. And part of our job is to help them deconstruct that kingdom and kind of reorient their life around God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just some some basic things that w- we would want to dive deep into these three statements I'm about to make. So these are not platitudes, but these are categories that we would want to ask ourselves, how can we creatively and practically bring these themes into an individual's life? What does it look like to begin to live a life that's centered in the glory of God? Okay, now I've just pushed them outside their own subjective prison and I'm, I'm, I'm pushing them towards transcendence. I'm pushing them towards something bigger than germs. I'm pushing them towards something bigger than safety. Um, I'm pushing them towards something that's even bigger than getting rid of anxiety. Two other themes that can become very helpful at a practical level as we're training people how to rethink how they're experiencing this struggle, love God, love neighbor. I mean, what is it? What are some new patterns that we can begin to implement into your life uh, that push you maybe towards the thing you fear, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, not necessarily pushing them towards like child abuse, but pushing them towards, um, you know, what does it look like when that thought comes? What does it actually look like to love the Lord in that moment? Right. Mm. Um, Rather than staying at home for hours, what is it going to look like to create a new habit where you're going out and loving somehow? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're going to go serve at a, a homeless shelter or or whatever, and but you're going to have to equip them with a new way of thinking through all of that and a new yeah. way of processing the fact that they may experience some anxiety while doing that. But we want to take them out. We we want to make their world bigger than themselves. Yeah. Because that's the most lonely, miserable place a person can be. So that's really a loving thing to point out, not yeah. a condemning thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? No, I think that's that's really good. To me, it, you know, as far as helping somebody walk through that and creating that stuff, to me, that's, you know, using a, you know, kind of more of a biblical vernacular would be to, you know, the whole put on, put off, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's no neutrality in our hearts and minds. And, you know, we've got to, if, if, if we're trying to, re, you know, remove something, we have to replace it with something. Yes. Um, and so I could see, you know, especially in this context with OCD, you have to replace it with something. Imagine if somebody that, you know, created uh, an obsession an obsession, and had a compulsion to it, like that was driven by fear. Now, all of a sudden, they're more obsessed with God's love. And so now they're going out doing, you know, acts of kindness and, you know, to your point, focusing on God and neighbor and you and you make that your focus. Yes. I'd love to be obsessed and compulsive about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're actually causing, you know, in, in a way that's scripture doesn't use that terminology, but in a way that's really what we're called to, right? That's, that's the idea. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. That would be in an obsessive reality, yes. right? Yes. Yes. I mean, well, so. I think, you know, from the perspective of counseling where they'll come to you and it's like, I've identified a problem. I'm struggling with this. I need you to fix it. And that's not really the mentality, you know, especially when, you know, most people have the heart set of um, minimizing pain and maximizing pleasure. Mm-hmm. So when you think of something like this, you know, you might, their entire life might be something that this is what they struggle with. So where technically OCD probably has a lot of control associated with that, right? They need to be in control, 
part of control would be trying to fix it themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I love the, I love how you um, explained it in a way that you're having them focus on um, just focus on like the Lord and saying, okay, in this particular situation, you might not necessarily be able to control whether that thought comes, but when it does come, what's, uh, what am I, what are we then as the counselors, the disciples out there helping them to come up with a, an, a replacement thought or a better response in that particular moment. But that's obviously being fully centered on the word of God, right? Yeah. And, and, and then the help of the Holy Spirit, not ever, ever minimizing, um, no matter how maybe deep this OCD or however, whatever terminology you want to say, like how um, powerful this OCD might seem for that particular person, never underestimating the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. And in that moment, not only in you as the counselor, but obviously in them as, as a believer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, going back to Michael's point, also this putting off, putting on, mm-hmm. you know, the example that I gave where the person has this intrusive thought about abusing a child and then starts wondering, am I a child abuser in that particular passage, you know, recognizing you have to put that, that if, if that is the case or was the case, you have to put that off. That's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And that, that particular scripture says, says to be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on the new self, which has already been created uh, in the likeness of Christ in true righteousness and holiness. So some of our treatment, some of our counsel, when when they're wrestling with those kind of things where they're now owning an identity or being scared of a potential identity based on an intrusive thought, put that in the realm of deception. And then we have to begin to recognize who we are so that we can act out of that. Yeah. You are already holy. You're already righteous in Christ. Uh, what does that look like as you go out and, and glorify God, love God, love others? And again, this is tedious counsel. This is not, you're going to give that to them. And, and that's it. They might feel better right. in your office. Mm-hmm. Probably by the time they get to your car, they're struggling again. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to be ready for that yeah. kind of thing and, and give them space to do that without condemnation. Um, and so... Uh, it's very important what you said in terms of just this putting out, that is a big factor here. And so those, the things we just mentioned, living in a fallen world, fear, deception, self-focus, those are some things that that we might utilize as it regards obsessions. Uh, when we move to the realm of compulsions, we actually hit something that Shauna just mentioned. And we would say this, compulsions are conceptualized by the following, a need for control. Uh, unlike obsessions, obsessions, which are involuntary, compulsions are learned behaviors that are an attempt to control one's sense of anxiety or distress, as well as perceived threats or dreadful outcomes. And, you know, the guy that I mentioned to you that I counseled many years ago, probably the most, one of the most severe cases of of OCD that I've come across, uh, because it was really, his life patterns were things that I was having a hard time even believing what was going on. But one of the, I think what freed this person from a lot of that struggle was his, his uh, desire for control and then bringing that into the realm of God's sovereignty. And we spent months back and forth. I, I let him ask me any question. I never said we're going to stop asking questions. I wanted him to get a good grasp of the sovereignty of God. And that's when he he really began to get a really solid understanding. He, he was from a church where the sovereignty of God was not very elevated. And I just introduced him to a very different perspective of God's sovereignty. And one of his struggles was the unpardonable sin. And so it was beautiful to be able to go to a passage like uh, like John, um, 
6, verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And we would spend many, many hours just talking about the comfort of from mm-hmm. eternity past to the to the moment when I'm actually called and I become a believer to the resurrection. I mean, Jesus, that was Jesus talking. And he basically said, I've got this covered from eternity past before even got here. Uh, I knew you would be saying blasphemous things about me, uh, but I called you and now you're safe and I'm going to hold on to you to the end. And these are things he had really never heard, you know, so, and that, that wasn't a silver bullet that didn't fix everything, yeah. but it, it created conversation and it created new context for us to reorganize how he was thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with, you know, being with obsessing in the mind first, cause that's where it begins, right? That's what leads to the compulsion. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But so really the putting on, putting off starts in the mind with those thoughts. And if you can begin to uh, counter that with new thoughts, thoughts that change that whole paradigm will ultimately result and conclude into different compulsions. Yes. Different behaviors. Yes. So that's right. good. And regardless of any situation, just remembering that it's always pointing others back to, to God. Right? Yes. Glorifying yeah. yeah. God. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. That's good. So, so control, if, if there's an issue that you really want to hone in on with someone with this issue, it is control. And it, it's either controlling so that I don't, get the germs or controlling so that I don't feel this feeling and it just becomes consuming for this person. Mm. Um, and just like the last section on obsessions, deception is involved here too. Um, compulsions feel uncontrollable, uh, but this is simply another agonizing deception of the heart that is associated with this particular diagnosis. Additionally, compulsions ultimately do not effectively treat the haunting obsessions that create distress in people. So the, the, the very methods that people are believing in as the f- source of, of the cure in and of itself is, is a deception. That's not going to work. It's just going to yeah. perpetuate this pattern. So they have to learn a, an entire different way um, to deal with those, those uncomfortable feelings. Again, this is where biblical count and science is actually a lot of the science is now moving in this direction where early on, maybe like in the secular world, cognitive behavioral therapy was about getting rid of my anxiety. A lot of the science is now saying, hey, we need to actually treat, uh, train people how to navigate uncomfortable feelings and realize it's, it's not the end of the world. You're going to so be it's, okay. So it's not about removing, it's, no, it's not more about resilience. Yes. Really. And, and that's very much, you know, we've been saying that in biblical counseling for a very long time, uh, this idea of persevering and, and God using even my anxiety and my, there's a bigger issue going on than just me not feeling anxious that God can actually use my anxiety to push me deeper into knowing him, uh, to push me deeper into wrestling with my own flesh, uh, to lean on others and not be prideful, uh, but to let other people in or not give into any shame. So there's a lot bigger things going on than probably just alleviate alleviating that anxiety. And so that's a biblical counseling precept mm-hmm. that has been around forever. And a lot of your uh, more modern scientific approaches to OCD and anxiety are, are lining up with that idea as well. Um, Isn't that interesting though? Just, just a quick, just a quick note on that. It's they're moving in that direction, but they will not use that terminology that gives credit to scripture. Yeah. 
they'll create something else. Oh, totally. So, so it's just interesting. And, and that's another purpose that this serves. It's, it's like a parallel Bible where you're looking at the same text, but it's, it's just articulated differently. Yes. So yes. you're, this is about weighing the terminology and seeing the correlations between the two so that we have more, more confidence and it, it just a general competency so that we see that this really isn't as difficult as, you know, we don't need a PhD no. to, to, to ascertain some of this thought process. It's, right. it's very, very feasible, very approachable. Yes. So it's good. But we need Jeremy's PhD to teach us. Honestly, as you were talking earlier, one of the thoughts that crossed my mind was how awesome this is in the way that we've designed this podcast where we're just having a conversation. Mm. And we're, as Michael and I are really students learning under you in a lot of ways, we just- We're your pupils. Yeah, we get to just hear what's coming out of your, your brain and just allow, and your experience, the experience that God has given you and how you've served others for so many years. And where we could just be, you know, having a cup of coffee with just us on the couch, where yet we have a mic here that uh, I'm just praying that th- that what you're saying is really resonating with those who are listening, because this is obviously a lot longer of a podcast than we're than, 51 than, minutes yeah, right now. <laughs> I know than we're used to, but um, but what what's such a great topic? I mean, I just think there's so much here for us as counselors in the church for us to learn and grow in. Um, and so I know there's a third piece you got to get to. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and this is really the the final. And I, I want to just reiterate again to those that are listening, uh, one of the reasons that uh, I'm doing this particular diagnosis is because I absolutely love these people. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of compassion with just, it. it's not just a spiritual issue, but we want to bring the spiritual stuff in. Um, and so I hope this is helpful in yeah. coming across in that spirit. Um, this final one is uh, the word folly. You know, the scriptures use this this word and we're defining it as a lack of normal prudence and foresight, especially in reference to God. When an individual follows his or her own folly, it turns his or her own world upside down, Proverbs 19.3. And again, what we're doing here, we're not looking at the counseling and saying, you're just giving into folly. You're just participating in folly. We want to have a conversation with them and say, hey, here's a biblical category. It's called folly. And it's defined as a, a lack of normal prudence or foresight. So I'm kind of skewing the possibilities mm-hmm. of, what, of what is or what could be. Do you think that some of the thoughts that you have fit in this category? And just begin to have that conversation with them. If they can't see that, we it's our job to help gently Guide them. give them some understanding so mm-hmm. that the, the dots connect. Some people will begin to say, yeah, that, I think that is. So now we've given them another category so that when this kind of a thought comes up, we're not going to try to figure out, is it true or not? We're not going to try to ask the question for six hours of my day, am I a child abuser? We're going to say that right there is a lie and it's folly. And I'm going to put it in that category. And, you know, these are, these are words definitely secular the secular community would not look at it this way at all. I mean, they wouldn't conceptualize the heart in this way. Uh, but we're doing people a favor to help them recognize just a part of their nature that's that's still fallen mm-hmm. uh, can be contributing to some of the patterns that are going on. And one of the things that are it's very important for us to let listeners know is that when we counsel people with obsessive compulsive and we begin to push them into new patterns and push them into new ways of seeing it could and probably will increase fear, anxiety, and distress. When being counseled or treated, counselees are, are confronted with new ways of seeing and experiencing. And this may manifest increased fear and anger. 
we want to be very compassionate about that. We want to process that with them. We want to encourage them in that. Um, and we even, we may even want to probably warn them in the first meeting, hey, as we move forward, I may be pushing you into some places that you have avoided for the last 20 years. You might experience more fear. You might experience some irritation or agitation or distress. We have to embrace that as part of this process. Because the reason that we're here is that you have created habits to avoid distress. We want to kind of push you into places that might create distress and give you new tools to deal with it. Yeah. Well, I, this, this, I've I've really appreciated our time together today and just talking through um, OCD Uh, again, you know, that we're, we're lightly using that terminology like, oh, I have OCD and and maybe even laughing it off and being a lot, you know, really lightly about the terminology. But one of the words that really stood out to me was that word torment. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, those who have severe uh, OCD, that they're actually being tormented in their thoughts, which obviously when you get to that cycle of wanting relief could come to the point of really wanting to take their own life. Yes. And so this is a very serious thing for us to um, just obviously those who are out there uh, counseling and pastors to really think through this, really pray through this, get your leaders trained, open that discussion, uh, have training seminars, articles, certain things that just really helps educate the church to really be able to start taking this serious, right? Showing that compassion, being patient and really just trying to enter in to people's world um, that are walking through this on how we can love better. Mm. So anything else we want to say in closing? Well, if you're out there and you are struggling with OCD and I, maybe you, oh, maybe yeah. there are people are out there or not, know that you are not alone. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that have this same struggle. Yes. You're not weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason to feel ashamed. Uh, reach out, find a good, loving biblical counselor to walk with you mm-hmm. uh, because it's our passion to minister and serve you where you are. Yes. Yeah, that's good. And actually, given the uh, the amount of time this is, I'm going to make this a two part. So, man, this this was a good one. Um, and I just I think in closing, again, remembering that the purpose of these unpacking diagnoses, because a lot of what we shared in this when it comes to the biblical conceptualization of mm-hmm. it was kind of similar and kind of spills over into some of the other sure. things that we t- we talked about as far as some of these disorders from the DSM. So it, I think it's just helpful. And I hope uh, those of you that have heard, you know, the four or five of these that we put out that you have learned from these. And in closing, I would just ask that if there's anything specific in any of these that you've listened to that you'd like us to, um, you know, actually discuss a little bit more, like some of these areas where, you know, they could be a little more nuanced, just go ahead and do that. And we will uh, be glad to do a follow-up podcast on that, you can email us at topics at speakthetruth.org. Jeremy, got something? And, and, and is it okay? I mean, yeah. I, w- I would welcome this if you don't agree. Yeah. Send that to us because yeah. we would love, we want to, to dialogue like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's a way to not agree though, everybody. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, all right. So, so we'll put just it out there. The, we'll bring, bring the question, yeah. you know, well, just let us know what we didn't address. You don't all right. Well, we'll put, we'll put it. this out there. So because we're already at 58 minutes, what no, we'll do, we're gonna do no, listen, podcast. no, it's cool. We can, cause we're not going to really address a lot of those anyway in full detail. Um, but what I will say at this point, because we hope to do a lot more of these mm-hmm. and um, just know that if, if there's things that when you see the title, of the podcast and you're like, oh man, that's a topic I've been wanting to know about or or understand a little bit more. And then you're ultimately invariably like all of us are going to come to something like that with an expectation. And if you have that expectation and we didn't hit that expectation, uh, because maybe, you know, there was a nuance that we didn't cover or whatever, 
And that's kind of what Jeremy's talking about. Dialogue with us, let us know. And we would love to spend some more time on that because again, even here we are at 58 minutes and there's still so much we could talk about yeah, on this. There is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we, again, we, we want to be here for, for y'all as well. Sorry, I had to go Texas there and say y'all for a second, but, uh, <laughs> uh, for those of you who are listening all over the world, but, um, just, just know that again, we're not going to fully exhaust, um, a lot of this stuff, but if there's specifics that you want to know, please let us know again, send us an email at topics that speak the truth.org. Shawna, you're looking at me like you got, no, I just, I, are we still going to make a podcast, another podcast out of just the questions though, right? Yeah, short one. That'll okay. be like a quick like one. Like a but bonus episode. Yeah. Cool. But hey, we, we appreciate you guys. Again, do that. And then also uh, just know that you can um, respond to us on the on the website as well at speakthetruth.org. See you guys. Speak the truth.